Welcome to the Parker Aver Group's podcast series, Talk Retail to Me, where we offer insights and realistic advice from experts in the retail and consumer brands industries. If you're new to Parker Avery and this podcast, we are a leading retail and consumer goods consulting firm with over 600 years of collective experience, both as consultants as well as leadership positions in the industry. Our firm uniquely combines deep industry experience with consulting expertise and world-class talent to deliver meaningful results. Our approach allows us to build successful, long-term relationships with some of the most recognizable retail and consumer brands in the world. If you're interested in learning more about the Park Ravery Group, we invite you to visit parkravery.com. This episode of Talk Retail to Me features Principal Marty Anderson and Senior Manager Dimitri Magas, who are both retail pricing and advanced analytics experts. A few weeks ago, Maria Monteros from Modern Retail interviewed Dimitri and Marty for an article she wrote titled, Not Racing Prices is the Hot New Inflation Marketing Tactic. We invite you to sit in on their conversation where the two experts discuss how different pricing strategies, along with deeply understanding price elasticities of your products and use of advanced analytics tools, are capabilities that set retail leaders far ahead of their competition. For some context, how has inflation changed the way marketers advertise to shoppers these days? Well, I think it depends on in the market and and the product category. I mean, you know, whether you're talking about CPG versus retail, um, I think it's more about value, loyalty, customer service. I, I think how they market has had to be more precise. Um, customers are needing more, I guess, coaxing. <laughs> and mm-hmm. you know, with inflation going up and pricing going across the board, they're discretionary income has kind of been reduced a bit. And so depending on if you're in a market where it's more commodity driven, they may not have to be as aggressive in the marketing as, you know, if you're in a product category that is more discretionary, where people can be a little bit more discerning and they're going to have to pick and choose, or they might trade down to lower prices or less options. Then I think, you know, that marketing has to be a little bit more creative, a little bit more value based, um, Mm -hmm. particularly in a time of inflation where the retailer, you know, has less control over, you know, their cost. Um, Things are things are going up across the board. And so, you know, their internal costs are going up. And so how that impacts discount and the way they attain customers has to be a little more thoughtful, I think. Right. Can you give me a little bit more context on how some of the challenges that marketers face in basically doing their jobs in this environment? Yeah, I can jump in there, I guess. What's challenging when you have when you have disruptions, uh, you know, as it relates with supply chains or availability of some of the raw materials, which drives costs up. As a marketer, you need to understand how consumer trends are changing, how demand is is changing for different types of products. Um, As Marty mentioned, discretionary income is being reduced. Um, So obviously the the need for specific products is changing. So being aware of that, so knowing what the customers need the most during this time should be at the top of the minds for marketers. Yeah, and then really trying to give shoppers what they need the most at the time they need um, at the right price, 
that's mm-hmm. that's really challenging and every everyone is trying to do the same so you also need to outplay you know your competition as well it's really about making sure that your value doesn't and doesn't deteriorate in, in the eyes of your shoppers and also that uh, your price point is uh, seems fair to shoppers and then you offer effective promotions for the products where you cannot really set the price the regular price at the lower price point but you could actually reduce uh, the price for a short period of time to attract more shoppers to keep your loyal shoppers happy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And speaking of deals and promotions, what are some of the benefits that marketers see in heavily promoting these deals and discounts? I would probably back up a step, Maria, and and take a a different, like, holistic approach. Or certainly Mm -hmm. if I were engaged with a client and we're having this conversation. And I think there's really two major components as you're approaching price, Uh, certainly in a time like this, it's very volatile, right? And, you know, my first advice is always like have a pricing strategy, right? It's Mm -hmm. that strategic component versus kind of that execution optimization component. And the first part is really strategic. And and so that comes with a lot of different components, right? Um, How are you thinking about new customer promotions, right? Mm-hmm. How do you engage and get that market share? Because as Dimitri was talking about, you need to know your product. You need to know where you stand in that market. Are you in a discretionary component? Are you in a more commodity-based component? Do you have a mixture of those two things? And what's a value to the customer and how do you present that? But you know, how are you going to maintain that market share and continue to bring in new customers? And and that which kind of leads directly into like things like loyalty programs, mm-hmm. um, which also can come with like their own promotions, coupons, et cetera, because in a time right now, like exclusivity, it can be important. Being very service oriented is going to have to be more important because there's less elasticity in that pricing right now. And so mm-hmm. um, what you're really going to try and, and push more is around service, offering quality. Um, you're going to want to have those kind of um, ideas front and center and your product. And then which leads in really into like that promotional that you were asking is is like volume building deals right so Mm -hmm. how what is your pricing strategy up front and this is thought that you need to put in place when you're buying that next season when you're really placing out because you're you're buying ahead of time like nine months you know even 12 18 months out at this point um, so, mm-hmm. and those volume building deals could be like buy more, save more type of deals, or it could be BOGOs, you know, buy one, get 150 off or whatever. And that's where mm-hmm. like that idea that Dimitri was just talking about can really come in handy. Whereas if I understand what's really important to the customer versus maybe less so, can I combine those things? How do I, you know, in, in some of that buy more, save more, how do I get them in the door? So if I entice them on some discount and discretionary, but I also offer those commodity items. Like there are a lot of stores now, think Targets, Walmarts, those where they have like grocery type commodity items, but they also have fashion, electronics, toys, all the other things. How do you Mm -hmm. combine that type of promotional activity to get them in the door? And then they're going to buy other things that are there as well. And you can do that from either end, depending on, you know, what's the biggest driver to, I think, bringing your customer to you. And Mm -hmm. then I think the next iteration is, you know, event-based promotions, you know, creating that sense of urgency. It's one of those, if you're always on sale, you're never on sale kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so how do you give that sense of urgency? How do you put limits or time stamps on, you know, come in now, you know, especially 
in these pricing where you can't afford to be down all the time right now with costs going up so high. So how do you create that sense of urgency, make it an exciting event? Um, think like Amazon Prime Day, right? They have this one time a year, they put things on sale that maybe aren't on sale at other times. Um, and, and how do you really in capitalize on that and get people there because once they're there then you can market to them differently in store and it also allows you when you're when you're building all that out front and being that strategic it allows you to negotiate up front whether that's from volume negotiation um where you know cot prices are going up right how do you look at what your needs are going to be for a company across categories and departments and maybe you're negotiating a larger position on grage fabrication to make sure that your costs stay in a in a place that's a little bit more manageable where you can afford certain promotions to kind of put you out now that's not customer facing but it allows you to be more, more creative when you're cr thinking about those volume building deals um, and mm -hmm. how you're grouping products you know together if that makes sense mm -hmm. so we talked about um, a lot of the benefits of this you know promotional strategy but are there any pitfalls that come with you know marketing these deep discounts when everybody is also marketing deep discounts I would say, yeah, and that's kind of where Dimitri comes into play really heavily as well. So that's where it's kind of that second piece. And I said there were kind of two components. There's that strategy and then there's that execution. And I think you're moving right into that execution. And I would say if you're not using advanced analytics right now in, in understanding the um, cost benefit to what you're offering from a promotional standpoint, there's a lot at risk and you're leaving a lot on the table and you can put yourself at risk. And so you know, that's where we talk to a lot of clients around how are you price optimizing? How are you understanding? Because you still have to keep your eye on that cost versus that kind of scalability, right? You, you have a cost and you can't go below that, right? You'll be out of business. So having advanced analytics to understand the elasticity component of certain products, some products are more elastic than others. And with a good analytics and our price optimization platform, you can discern where that is. And we have some clients who are even current who have seen huge gains, even in this environment, because they never had any kind of price optimization um, analytics before. And we were allowed to offer that to them and kind of show them the benefits. And these are not projected benefits. They're actually realizing them. And it's paid for the cost of doing that many times over. And they're wanting to go even deeper. So, I mean, I don't mean to step on your toes, Dimitri. Um, <clears throat> if you want to talk about that more, go right ahead. Oh, no, 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 no. You, you said all, yeah, you said all the right things, Marty. Yeah, in terms of, in terms of setting the right price point for promotion and even deciding what to promote, you need to, you need to make sure you analyze uh, how elastic is a product. If a product is essentially inelastic, if you have a large discount in price, you don't really get a, a large uplift in a number of additional shoppers who would buy the product. That means that product is really inelastic, really no point, no point in dropping your price. Moreover, for these products, you would actually want to increase the price and get extra margin that uh, you would then use to pay for your promotions. So that's really that's really a simple simple way of describing price optimization for the products where price awareness 
is really low, uh, you know, you don't necessarily want to uh, want to reduce uh, reduce the price heavily because you're just not going to get the benefit from that promotion. Um, one example, for the love of God, I don't know what's a fair price for seasonings. I don't buy them too often. I come to the store, I, I see the price on the shelf, I just buy it. Giving, giving a price reduction in seasonings, I'll probably not notice that it mm -hmm. happened, but mm -hmm. uh, you are going to erase, erase your margin there. Um, at the same time, for things that sh shoppers buy really often, so things like milk, soda, eggs, where price perception is is really high, uh, yeah, that's something where you can play with uh, with price reductions. And the money for those promotions you can get from raising prices on the products that are that are inelastic. So that's uh, so that's really that's really the key here. And then using analytical tools really really helps to understand which products are, are essentially elastic versus inelastic, and then and then build your strategy and tactics around the price point setting. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. We talked about how a lot of retailers right now are you know launching promotions and deals and you know promoting their loyalty programs for retailers that don't you know, use this strategy, what what could potentially happen to them in this competitive environment? Their risk is that they're leaving things on the table. You know, retail is one of those things that's constantly changing, constantly evolving. You know, even before COVID, you know, there was an estimate that if you weren't in the e-commerce business and you didn't have an e-commerce platform, you would most likely be out of business within five years or something like that. Um, I would say that's even more heavily true. Like if you're not very omni-channel, centric and focused on different ways to reach your customers and and that can include you know how you make products available to them but like you said loyalty is one of those things that we see continuously come up and companies who never thought about loyalty type programs before um, are now considering them because you know they're they're trying to compete and be more retentive and if you can't afford a loyalty, a specific loyalty program or yourself, sometimes there are broader loyalty programs that you can be in as part of a group or, you know, there's different ways to address that and, you know, offer discounts through other, like whether it's a marketplace or, or other um, kind of components. But I think mm -hmm. every every retailer should be aware of what's out there and what's driving business. And, and I think some businesses are more reactive to that than others, but I would say for the most part, most retailers that we work with today have some sort of loyalty-esque type mm -hmm. component to what they're doing. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, one thing I would add, I guess, is that there are retailers who don't do a whole lot of promotions and they tend to be more of an everyday low price. Uh, and yep. uh, that's how they position themselves to their shoppers. That's mm -hmm. uh, when you come to our stores, our regular prices are going to be highly competitive Right. You know, compared to other uh, to other competition. In addition to that, they don't invest a whole lot into loyalty, but they do invest uh, in private brands. Um, so yeah. where uh, retailers who tend to essentially guarantee low prices, they uh, they tend to have a high share of their assortment uh, consisting of private brands, which uh, cuts a lot of costs. I think that's really key. I'm glad you brought that up, Dimitri. Mm -hmm. I, I thought about that the other day when this topic came up and I didn't mention it, but I, I think that's actually a really good point. And we've been seeing that 
progression over a number of years now where companies are changing their mix from national brands to more private brands because of that competitive nature and and particularly because of costing and pricing you have a little bit more negotiation control you have a little bit more control over what types of prices you offer when you're primarily in a, a national brand like you know department stores that are heavily penetrated in national brands or whether it's um, grocery stores that are in, in heavily penetrated national brands you have less control over how much you can promote or what you can do um, with the pricing whereas if you kind of own it from beginning to end you can you can pretty much dictate and really optimize a lot more and so we're seeing a lot of businesses regardless of type try to transition a little bit more to brands that they own and you know make them seem of more value and this really started a lot in the department store a long time ago whereas it wasn't just like you know the the brand or the the name of the company on the brand they're giving them brands and there are a lot of people because I worked in department store for many years, and there are a lot of private labels that customers don't know are private labels. They think they're national brands because they're so well perceived. The val the value and the quality is really good, and I think other industries like grocery, tire, other commodity industries are realizing that and understanding like you can create a well received, well acknowledged brand that you control. Um, they're just more, it's it's kind of a risk, a pro-con kind of thing. You don't have a partner necessarily there to help you with the profit margins on the back end, but you have more control on the front end from negotiation and pricing. And so um, you do have a little bit more agility and flexibility if you can manage the inventory and kind of manage your sourcing really well. Mm -hmm. yeah, I, I would just add on the on private brands, not only you can control the price point, but uh, since you are the one creating the product, you can customize the product better to the needs of your specific shoppers. That's right. So that's so that's also added point. And then in terms of quality, I I did see quite a few surveys and then results of same surveys over time that lead to even even the products that are known to be private brand products the quality perception of such products has improved over time so shoppers do not necessarily perceive private brands as cheaper and lower quality currently these days so that perception seems to be leaving us uh, and then shoppers tend to tend to see them as smart high value alternatives to national brands and uh, mm -hmm. again if it's if it's a product that's been developed uh, the shopper in mind they tend to satisfy the needs of shoppers uh, of mm -hmm. loyal shoppers of that specific store chain even better and I understand that this isn't our first um, inflationary environment, but I'm curious to know, is there a difference um, in the way marketers are communicating with consumers now than they did back then? I don't know that it's different. I think, you know, it, it becomes more, I don't know, required and, and urgent. I, what you typically will see, and it depends on the price point range and my perspective of where you lie in the marketplace. So what we see, consistently if you look back at the last big recession like in 2008 or whatever discounters usually kind of get a push in the market share and they get a growth because as you know Dimitri was saying some of those you know like Walmart's or Target they may have everyday low prices they may always be kind of that best option and when people have less discretionary funds you know they're going to 
spend more time there because they can get more in their total basket at a, at a better price. Whereas people that are higher up on those discretionary spending, or they might be luxury type brands, they're going to market a little different. So because their products are more costly to produce, they may have less elasticity as far as like how much they can promote and still make margins and stay in business. Their, their marketing messages are tend to focus more on quality exclusivity, mm -hmm. uh, which is like the loyalty programs, um, new customer promotions, trying to attain new customers, replace those that kind of left. Um, they're going to, they're, they're just going to, translate a little different. It's like, here's the quality. This is what you're paying. This is why you want it. This is exclusive. Only you get it. Mm -hmm. um, they are going to have some promotions probably, but it's not going to be to the extent of people that are kind of lower down in the price point range. And those in the middle are probably going to do a little bit more promoting and they're going to go into more of that quality, what you're looking for, like Dimitri was saying, understanding their assortment and really emphasizing those things that you're really looking for and picking and choosing strategically what they're promoting. Whereas on the discount, they're, they're going to naturally get an influx of people, you know, looking. And so they're going to continue that marketing. Of, oh, we're always here for you. We're the, we're the everyday low price. Look at the value and the quality and the breadth of what we offer. And so I do think that that marketing message is different depending on where you live and that price range. Right. Well, that is all of my questions. Is there anything else that I missed? Anything else that you'd like to add? I think the main things are have a strategy going in. Don't just react. Um, those companies that are highly reactive are going to be the ones that are most at risk and probably miss out and and have you know the most, um, I guess, non-ideal re results. And I would still say when you're executing, if you are not employing advanced analytics in your pricing decisions, you are behind the curve and, mm -hmm. you know, you are missing out. There's a lot of revenue to be maintained and even grown, even during times like this, especially in times like this, those analytics can really help you a lot. Yeah, I, I would just say, yeah, get as much information as possible on what your shoppers need the most right now how is it different from what uh from what they needed previously get i guess the information about your competition what what is it that they do and then use advanced analytics to analyze all that information in addition to your internal data sources um, and then have that fuel your strategy um, to organize tactics mm -hmm. Right. And Maria, I wanted to just jump in. One thing that this is really speaking to is it's very much aligning the marketing and the merchandising or pricing organizations within within the retailers. Those cannot be siloed. They really, really have to work hand in hand to get the pricing messaging aligned. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, that is all I have. Thank you so much to you all for um, taking the time to, to speak to me and setting up this time um, to chat. Thank you, Maria. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye, Bye, guys. That's a wrap for this week. We hope you enjoyed the conversation, gained some industry insights, and got to know the Parker Avery Group a little bit better. If you have any questions about today's discussion or wish to talk about any retail industry challenges you may be facing, please visit our website to contact us. Please also join our conversation on LinkedIn. Just search for the Parker Avery Group. And don't forget to share this podcast to anyone who may benefit from these insights. We look forward to hearing from you.